Hello and welcome to Cinephils. Uh, this week, uh, Rob and I are going to talk about some films uh, by the director Marie-Georges Guzot. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and uh, this was inspired by our last film that we watched, which was Sorcerer um, uh, by William Friedkin. Now, uh, the film's uh, the the reason we got here uh, is because the um, film Sorcerer was based upon a, the same book that uh, Henri-Georges Clouseau's um, Wages of Fear, uh, a film um, that was released uh, in the 50s, um, was based upon. So, Rob, uh, I hope you enjoyed watching them. As I understand it, you hadn't seen these films before. We also decided to do Wages of Fear, uh, do a double header. Yeah. yeah, I hadn't seen either of these before, and I love them both. Uh... Perhaps uh, I liked uh, The Devils more. Uh, yeah. De yeah, because uh, Wages of uh, Clouseau's Wages of Fear, seeing that, wow, it was very close to Sorcerer. Uh, uh, it was, yeah. yeah. Um, but with some, some very, very important differences. And yeah. I thought maybe we could start with. So he did, Clouseau did Wages of Fear before um, Dia uh, Diabolique or the devils. Um, yeah. but I, I really, you know, I wanted to talk about the, the devils first, if we could, cause, um, um, that film struck me as being, um, uh, indicative of a style that became very popular, uh, with a number of, uh, directors in the States who did thrillers and also in, in, you know, throughout the world. So it was a really kind of, um, it, it, it led the way for a number of films of that style. So do you mind if we talk about that one first? Sounds wonderful. That sounds like a great plan. Uh, actually, I do think The Devils is, is a more important film uh, mm -hmm. to talk about anyway. So I'd love to uh, start off with that. Um, first of all, well, since... Yeah, since this was your introduction to it, why don't you tell me um, what you expected and what you got a little bit about that? Well, I had heard of the Sharon Stone remake years later, like in the in the 90s, I guess that occurred or um, and I was so I wasn't expecting very much. I knew it was a there was a seduction going on and that there was a, a murder going on. Uh, but beyond that, I didn't expect much going into this. Uh, because the Sharon Stone movie, which I knew very little about, set a very low bar in my mind. And then when I watched this film from 1955, I was blown away. I thought it was, it grabbed me from the first scene and until uh, the penultimate scene uh, or the ultimate sequence, which was just mind blowing, uh, that reversal of yeah. fortunes uh, which we'll get to later uh but along the way other things i found interesting in this movie were just um how much of a complete jerk uh <laughs> the uh the male who ends up getting yeah uh, well supposedly killed uh is yeah. like like really from his introduction i just it's like this is some but I hate to say that anybody is that somebody is deserving of death, but if there is anybody who is deserving of death, it is this guy. Yeah, um, yeah, Michelle. Right. Michelle yeah. is his name. Yeah. Yes, yeah, like uh, and yeah, uh, played by uh, 
Paul Maurice. Uh, yeah, and he was just the way he emoted from the very first scene. It was like, OK, yeah, you're you're not a very nice person. Um, <laughs> um, and then everything he does along the way just doubles down on that right to like punishing the school kid. uh for no good reason to cheaping out on the wine for the help to just his whole demeanor was like a little uh, little Napoleon running around here, a faux Napoleon, because like it could be argued Napoleon did some good things. Whereas this guy, you know, uh, it just was. Yeah, he was just slime. He was so, I, another yeah, thing I found. Go ahead. Uh, another thing I just like talking about, like the very early shots of the movie uh, when the opening credits were rolling the background uh, that immediately interested me as to what it was. And I loved how later on it, there was a payoff that that was like the mold or the moss or the growing on top of the pool water. And mm -hmm. I liked, uh, I just liked that moment. It was like, oh, okay. So that when I was watching it, when I was watching it, I was like, Oh, that's why that was there. Okay. It, yeah. So yeah, yeah it was a good are, foreshadowing. So, um, yeah. Clouseau, um, who didn't make too many, um, films as a result of some tragedy, um, but made some excellent films, some films and genres that, um, you know, many people believe that he mastered, uh, really and set the, you know, the mold to be broken by others, um, later. Um, but he does, he does with the thriller, um, uh, something that, um, people like Hitchcock and then, you know, I, um, talk a lot about Polanski, but both of these, um, come to mind when watching this film, he, he masters the slow burn, you know, this, this, uh, you know, you're telling a story that seems like there's something else going on behind it. But you can't figure it out. You are wrapped into it and drawn into it in, uh, you know, this this method of storytelling that really gets you um, puzzled. It, it makes you wonder. You think you know what's going on and you have no idea. Um, so I'm I just think it's a tremendous work. Um, and I'm glad that you feel the same way, because uh I, I don't think a lot of people know about it. Um, uh, there, I, I hadn't seen the Sharon Stone uh, re version. Well, who who did that? You know? No, I don't. Uh, that's how forgettable it was. <laughs> okay. uh, it was wow. like I remember, like back in the day when I worked at Blockbuster Video, when there were such things. Um, I remember that being released on VHS uh, because they didn't do DVDs back then. And um, I remember just, oh, yes, okay, I'll watch this movie. And it was on during a shift at work. And uh, it was terrible. Uh, it was just like, it was, and then I looked at it when, uh, just in a bit of background for this movie. And yeah, it has like a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like universally panned. Um, and so you're not missing much. Uh, the director... Maybe they did great things, but it wasn't this film. Um, whereas like Clouseau's movie was, yes, it was breathtaking. I thought another thing like uh, 
uh, Charlene and I are watching uh, Servant, uh, the TV show, which is produced by Shyamalan. Oh, uh, I love that. Yes, yeah. yeah, and I thought that particularly the ending of this movie, it's like, ah, oh, that's uh, maybe where Shyamalan got his ideas uh, for a lot of how to end movies uh, like The Sixth Sense, that complete reversal. Um, yeah and then um another well, thing hitchcock, hitchcock does that yeah. too in both yeah. his films yes. and tv shows yeah absolutely and um a thing i thought like yeah and clouseau uh wasn't very popular uh well no he was hugely popular but he wasn't he wasn't a beloved director uh um he was noted for being really hard on his cast yeah. uh like ways that makes uh stanley kubrick kubrick look like a humanist uh <laughs> apparently and um the one of the women in in this show uh vera Cluzo, uh um plays uh christina who yeah. is uh uh the woman suffer the headmistress of the school the owner of the school that's a uh, Clouseau's wife and that was yeah. his uh, second that was his second wife um the first one i guess uh, had some issues with him and then uh after the, shortly after this movie um she died uh yeah. vera Clouseau, tragic. yeah yeah tragic heart attack and that threw Clouseau into a depression uh i gather he was already a difficult person to work with and uh, his depression upon his wife's death uh, really put a damper on his filmic aspirations uh, or his, not his aspirations, his, the traje his trajectory as a director. Uh, yeah, it's really, a shame. Yeah, it's it a is. Shame he, he does great things with the medium. Um, mm -hmm. And um there, uh, it, uh, I thought a lot also of Hitchcock while watching uh, this again, um, because not only of the storytelling, um, you know, this this very controlled and methodical slow burn that I talked about, but his um, use of the the screen, his use of the set, and how how bright and um, uh, uh, airy a lot of the stuff seems um, in a way that you know and then and then we see it start to get darker and darker so as he uses lighting he uses the the um, composition of the screen to to portray the mood um, in ways that I think um, inspired others and and that are you know kind of a a good um, model uh, for for that genre Yes, yes, I agree. And I love like this film until the it does get more claustrophobic as it yeah. moves along, yeah. uh, particularly that, af after yeah, that's, uh, that's part of the, the psych psychological um, impact of how he sets the screen. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was uh, really well done. Uh, very subtle because like and. There was that strange inversion of daylight in the middle point of this, the middle act of this uh, film where, OK, it is bright daylight, but the tension is mounting and mounting and mounting ever more. Like, when will this body emerge from the pool? Yes. Why haven't the kids found this ball? And just amping up the tension in daylight, uh, which I thought 
was a very nice move. And then, of course, by the the ultimate sequence, it again reverts to, okay, now we are in a we are in a very uh, claustrophobic interior, uh, dimly lit, almost a bit of a German expressionism going on with the shadows there. Um, Yeah. It was, and it was and great... you don't know that this is a psychological thriller at that point. So he, yeah. like like some of the best Hitchcock, you think this is going to be some sort of supernatural tale, and uh, and it and it turns out that it's something even worse. So I, I thought that uh, I want to talk about Vera Cluzot, who's just I think um, it's such a shame that that she died so young. She's a she really commands the screen. She's a tiny person, <laughs> uh, this frail person, but she she has a commanding presence. And the the moral arc of her story, I think, um, has a has a lesson. Just as I thought that sorcerer was, you know, some sort of morality tell him. I'm sure this is as well. Um, and and maybe wages of fear, which we could talk about later, but. You know, she is this, she is the protagonist um, and, and we see her go through this um, troubling moral arc, don't we? Yeah. What, just to be very clear, what do you think her moral arc is? So she is this, she is this innocent. She's, um, she's also been um, terribly treated by her husband, Michelle, who uses her. Um, but then, right, his mistress, who they work with, yeah. uh, all work together, um, uh, corrupts her. And that's, yes. the, um, that's the whole undoing. So that she could be brought to this state uh, causes the unraveling of everything and eventually her, her demise. Yeah, uh, I, I really felt for her in the in the ending, how this movie ended, because. I saw it as through 99% of this movie, I was like, okay, this is the arc of her redemption. Um, and mm-hmm. like, I was like, okay, yeah, she, she's giving this person who richly deserves to die his untimely death. And uh, I was really rooting oh. for her until the very end. And yeah. until, yeah, no. And uh, so, yeah, it was a, it was a very tragic moral arc. Um, yeah, I also, we uh, also we become complicit. Oh yeah. So uh, so I, that that I felt you know we are so we are manipulated along with her. Yeah, I I guess I didn't have a problem. But maybe I'm a worse person than you, David. But I I had no problem with being complicit uh, yeah. here. Yeah, you know, like I was like, no, okay, no, yeah. yeah, it's like this person deserves to die. Just can we make it painful? Because he probably deserves to die painfully as well. Um, yeah. yeah, like <laughs> one of the more humorous moments of this movie is when uh, he was in the bathtub and uh, they got uh, and Nicole, uh, played by Simone Signorette, uh, the mistress. Is like go get the statue from the hearth, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you know, like, uh, yeah. I thought that was unintentionally humorous, but I thought, yes, he's getting his just rewards. He's he's drowning. Well, hold him under with this big brass statue that apparently was almost 
immovable. Uh, very difficult for uh, Vera Clouseau's uh, Christine to move. Right. I thought uh, that was interesting. And that whole bath sequence with the neighbors, were, were the neighbors above or below? Uh, they, were, they were below. Okay. And, um, they, um, so these, they're not neighbors. They are uh, supposed to be tenants of, yes. of the mistress. Yeah. Uh, which I thought, I thought th- the way those characters were uh, portrayed and what was going on there, I thought that was just hilarious. Um, it was, yeah, and it was yeah. it was a it was a comic. Um, you know, this was comic relief uh, in yeah. this in this thriller, and it was it was a great addition. Yeah, really. and it was a it was a nice uh, dramatic. It was a nice move to uh, deflate the drama of or to the tension of what is going on upstairs. Or deflates the wrong word. Uh, it was a nice juxtaposition to yeah. the murder going on. Uh, which I thought was really, really well done. Uh, solid, very solid filmmaking to do this. Like you, one could imagine a lesser director just uh, shooting the bathroom sequence and uh, not paying any attention to the tenants and what is right. going on there. Uh, but the tenants play were like a nice comedic outlet, which ultimately leaves the viewer really befuddled uh like emotionally you're not sure what to what you should be feeling right now you're not sure what the affect is here you know okay yes i should be horrified by this murder but i'm strangely but maybe it's also delightful uh and then on the other hand then there's the tenants who are hilarious you know they were hilarious like the old man it's like i'm going to like the water hammer of the bathtub and that's it i can't take it anymore i'm writing the <laughs> i'm writing the city about this because it's interfering with my radio show uh which was like some radio game show and he's like naming off the answers like he's alex trebek <laughs> and the wife's like yes yes <laughs> very good yeah yeah you're you're brilliant yeah wearing your beret inside uh <laughs> talking back to the radio aren't you so smart um yeah and i thought like that just that whole sequence was just lovely it was great filmmaking uh but this, is a, the, this was an actor's film so one of the things about kubrick is while well, he made everybody he worked with um miserable for the most part he made actors films so he knew how to get performances i mean he made tom cruise seem good um in um in uh eyes wide shut i i i which i i think is an underappreciated uh film um but he knew he knew how to do that and i suspect Clouseau did that too um because all of these actors really um drew you in you made them and including that little scene with the tenants yes uh i thought it was adorable um yeah and yes hats off to to stanley kubrick for making tom cruise appear like he has talent uh <laughs> that, that, that's just that's amazing like any director well, I also who can do him that in magnolia so i have to say yeah. paul thomas anderson gets a good okay yeah well him. yeah paul thomas anderson too i my hat off to him because like yeah it's like getting a wooden stump to emote with uh <laughs> anyway uh yeah so that's uh amazing back to clue uh the devils yeah um so 
the, you mentioned that you're expecting a supernatural or everybody was expecting some sort of supernatural thing going on in this movie. And that was right until, can we talk about the ending? The bathroom? You know, I'm assuming our listeners have seen it um, uh, as you know, that's sort of their assignment. And if they didn't like my students, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it anyway. Okay. It is worthwhile though, that, uh, Clouseau uh, perhaps gave one of the first uh, spoiler alerts uh, at the end of this film where he was cool. like, yeah, like, don't tell your friends. Don't be a devil. You know, yeah. don't tell them. So I don't want to be diabolical here. I don't want to be like. Well, uh, it's no longer binding. It's past the statute of limitations. OK, well, no. that, well, thank thank God. OK, I am great. So OK, can- yeah. OK, good. Great. All right. (laughs) Well, like the bathtub sequence uh, where, uh, who was it, where uh, Michelle de de la Salle's uh, character, Paul, or Paul Marousse's character, Michelle, rises from the bathtub. That was like, that was, I thought for a moment, it's like, okay, am I watching a zombie film here? Yeah. Yeah. Because there was so much done early on to establish that he was dead. He was 100% dead. Uh, There was the camera lingering on him in the bathtub uh, underwater. There was the whole him when they pushed him into the pool. He is he is dead, dead, dead. There is no chance he is alive. And then when he rises from uh, the bathtub, I was like, well, first of all, how did he get in the bathtub? And then that he rose from it. It's like, is this now a zombie movie? And it, right. it wasn't until he popped out his eye, his uh, plastic eyes, that you were like, oh, he's been faking this entire time. Wow, that's brilliant. Uh, yeah. So but until that moment, I did think it was what well, precisely at the until he popped out his eyes, I was like, this is, this was a supernatural payoff. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. And, and that is kept open all yeah. throughout the rest of the movie. So the, the notion of the, that, that claustrophobic dark scene near the end where she finally um, dies in the movie um, is a, is, you know, we're left to wonder too at, at that moment is, is this the, some ghost or some spirit haunting her? Mm-hmm. Is it, um, again, I thought it was part of the, the moral tale, the, her comeuppance, right. Um, by the, the ghost of her dead husband, um, for, for killing him, um, that, you know, that she was going to be haunted like some character in a Poe, uh, story. Um, and, we're left wondering, even at the end, at the res- resolution of the film, whether there's some supernatural horror going on, um, even after we've, you know, everything has been revealed to us. And I, again, that that's something that, uh, you know, Hitchcock does that a lot. Um, you know, you're always wondering, but there's no sign of actual supernatural uh, in the movie. So it's our own minds, you know, our own sense of guilt and, and, and dread. Yeah, like you're talking about the very the the ultimate shot sequence right. where the little liar uh, has his slingshot again, right? Yeah, and you, yes, there is that 
the film is not fully resolved. It's right. not easily explicable uh, as to how he got that slingshot. Uh, right. Yeah, so there could be the supernatural in there, or yes, it is just the ever so French uh, way of saying, yes, we live in a world of ambiguity that is fundamentally unresolved. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it could be that. It could be, this is, you know, not, um, this is not as skeptical <laughs> as as uh, we ought to be, but we keep getting punished for that through the film for, for uh, not being skeptical. Yeah, well, I, I do wonder about the ambiguity though. Like, you know, like, there were like Beauvoir was right wrote the ethics of ambiguity about uh, five years before this. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and like the fundamental like existentialism was now a thing in right. in fifty three France. It was a, uh, and I do wonder like like Jean Paul gave his uh, talk, uh, and then we have uh, Simone writing uh, Simone de Beauvoir writing the ethics of ambiguity, where the fundamental th- and Mer- and Merleau Ponty doing all that he did, uh, where it's like yes, there are like reality is fundamentally uh, ambiguous uh, and there's no getting away from that. And I wonder with uh, Clouseau uh, if he was in, uh, if he was doing philosophy here slightly with this film, like with that, with that ultimate sequence where it's like, yeah, the kid has this and it's established that he's a liar. uh, But it's also established that He's not lying all the time. Uh, And this weird thing happens. How did this happen? What are the kid's motives? Well, he's a child. He 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 doesn't have rationality, according to Kant, you know, like he's just so you can't speculate on it. And all of this yields to the point of. We live in a world. Of ambiguity where there is no resolution. And I like in my reading in my the background to this film and Wages of Fear, like uh, Clouseau is like, yes, he's he's addressing existentialist themes. And it's like, I wonder how seriously we are to take that. Like, was he was he uh, borrowing or echoing some of the themes raised by the existentialists very explicitly? Uh, Yeah, I I think that. That's likely. Um, and, uh, but there is also, so we, um, there is also this strong moral sense I get out of both of those films that, um, you know, our complicity in, in evil, our, our ability to tolerate um, harms um, uh, are revisited upon us through, through harms of our own. Um, and that's why, so if, if let's say the the ghost of um, uh, the character uh, Vera Clouseau plays is haunting this uh, school, uh, then she hasn't. She she is she is uh, guilty, right? She's she's not. She she's going to uh, um, be like the sort of haunting specter that um, somebody who's guilty becomes, even if even if she started out and, and maybe especially because she started out as an innocent. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, or yeah, I agree with that. Um, so 
Well, for you, what is what are the high points of this film, The Devils, and what are the the what didn't work, if anything, for you? So yes. in in this film, I think everything worked. It was very tight. Uh, it was very well controlled. Um, the um, film, you know, the cinematography is not a big deal in this, and that that works well for this. It's a um, um, it is it's great uh, framing and great use of light, but the camera is more or less stationary most of the time. You don't. It, it reminded me of of like a, a Frank Capra film in that sense, you know, it was, um, well-controlled. Um, and so I don't think there was a weakness. Uh, if there's any weakness, it's that the cinematography is very, you know, stayed, um, for the most part. Um, but that works because it is, as I say, it's an actor's film. The performances just take it away. Um, the, the final scene I thought, um, I was on the edge of my seat again um, with um, uh, Vera Clouseau coming down this hallway um, and right the ghost of her dead husband we expect is chasing her. Um, and, and we see nothing but her, her face. Um, um, and she's just a, she's a great actress, actually. She projects this fear and this guilt so well. I just, I was in love with her in that scene. It was just amazing. Um, and yeah, that's, I think just one of the tensest moments I've seen in a movie where nothing is happening, right. Except this fear that we see on her face. How about for you? Uh, yeah. Um, the cinematography like you, it did not blow me away. Uh, it was very naturalistic cinematography here. Uh, because, uh, this, the cinema wasn't the cinema, the cinematography, the photography wasn't, wasn't the star of this. Um, right. and it was like, we want to set you in a real world. Like no matter how you read the film, uh, it, it has to take place in a real world. This is just, this is just a boys school slightly out on the, the, the southern outskirts of Paris. Uh, it's rather dilapidated. Uh, we need the audience to think that. So and the cinematography ac accomplishes that quite well. So I liked it. Um, yeah. The ult the best shot was well, it wasn't a shot. It was the the final sequence. Everything. Uh, the rising of the uh, him coming out of the tub worked really well for me. Uh, I thought that was brilliant. Like that was the payoff that yeah. we, that the audience deserved. Uh, I thought it was really wonderful. I also thought uh, how the execution of, well, his death uh, was just so well done because I was convinced he yeah. was, you know, like, Various critics say that, oh, well, the implausible ending. And yes, the ending makes sense after the fact, after you piece it all together. But the way that was cut going like going forward, you're like, yes, he's dead. He's 100 percent dead. And to com to convince the audience of that without a doubt is really, really well done. Uh, I thought a moment, an unsung hero was uh the inspector, the police inspector. I oh, thought. Glad, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. 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 Because he was to be, 
He was just uh, he was Columbo. He was like cool. Columbo before Columbo was Columbo. And I was like, this is this is adorable. This yeah. to me is just a wonderful moment. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, those were the high points because like and I was wondering what that inspector was doing. Uh, he obviously knew that something was afoot here. Um, and I couldn't for the until the end. I was like, what's he going on about? He's he obviously is aware of something uh, just from all the leading questions. And and it was nice. That payoff was very nice. I thought it was a it was a lovely. Yes. Role model for Columbo. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, I thought, again, uh, he brought he lightened the tone a bit. This was a lovable yeah. guy. Right. Um, one of the, the people who was seemed to be an actual innocent uh, after Vera had gone her wayward way. Um, and, you know, also a nice foil for their plot um, that you're constantly wondering, are they going to get are they going to get nailed by this guy? Um, so, yeah, no, I th I'm glad you ra you raised the, the inspector because uh, and he was retired, I gather. Um, yes. So this is like a hobby for him. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> a hobby hanging out in the morgue. Just, yeah. <laughs> well, there's some somebody's interesting is going to walk in here sooner or later. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. OK. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's go to Wages of Fear. Uh 1953. Uh, so he, uh, Clouseau uh, did this before uh, the Devils and uh, obviously before Sorcerer. Um, it also was based on, it was based on a 1950s novel. Um, oh, the The Wages of Fear by Yorgo yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and also the Diabol the Devils was based on She Who Was No More by uh, a French author uh, that's just uh, perhaps worth noting. It wasn't an, an entirely original screenplay. Uh, it was an adapted screenplay. Right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so Wages of Fear, specifically in comparison to Sorcerer and also, I suppose, uh, to the to the Diaboliques. Um, Vera Clouseau is in both uh, both uh, Wages of Fear and uh, The Devils. Uh, so uh, what did you think of this movie, David? So, again, this was a, an actor's film, um, and thank goodness for that, because um, the production I found, again, lacking. Um, um, the character played by uh, Vera Clouseau seems um, sort of capricious in this film. Um, I suppose the parallel of her character in, in Sorcerer is the 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 woman who works in the in that bar who is much more appropriate uh in that bar than vera clouseau is in in this bar in this town they're hanging out in the middle of nowhere in what i assume is you know someplace like mexico um um this las piedras um because and it must be mexico but it's uh, it's never spoken of as being mexico because they're selling horchata and other you know they have other mexican um foods around but i but it's okay um so i don't mind watching her prance around in pristine clothes barefoot in this dirty town um because she, again she's just really uh, 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 a gorgeous and amazing actress 
but it doesn't make any sense for the rest of the film except to give a kind of anchor for Mario, who's the, you know, the equivalent of the Roy Scheider character. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, the, the production um, now, it's jarring to watch these truck scenes, right, where it's obvious, um, what do they call that, back produ- rear projection, right? while they're driving these in a studio. It's jarring. It's weird. Um, and it, it, it does take a little bit away from it um, as used as we are in our era to, you know, special effects and really high production values. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, but the acting and the story carry it forward and the dialogue is a lot more rich than in Sorcerer. Yes, it is. Uh, Sorcerer really didn't have that much dialogue going on in it, uh, in compare, especially in comparison to Wages of Fear. Um, Sorcerer was all, it seemed all driven by the camera focusing on the faces of the characters and seeing them become more and more immiserated as each second drags on for eternity uh whereas in and i say that as a good thing about sorcerer whereas in wages of fear it is much more dialogue uh i didn't think uh vera cluzo's character yeah it didn't i was trying to make sense of that i liked i liked her what when i watched the film but then when i thought about it i was like what the hell is going on there? But like, like she was, she played it like, what was she? Was she a wait? Was she, she was more than a waitress. Uh, was she a prostitute? Was she, uh, like, it was very unclear to me. Well, um, it wasn't clear how old she's supposed yeah. to be. And she comes across yeah. as a kid at some yeah. point. Yeah. Like feline in various ways. She is referred to as half savage. Uh, yeah. like, so I really was not sure what to make of this at all. And it's like, then it's like, why include her? Well, it was like the studio was named, the production company was named after her. Uh, it was obvious that the director loved her, but so was she just included in this because uh, he loved her or was yeah. there something more going on? And the only thing I could think about is this land, which I think you're right. It's, it's Mexico. They, uh, the Wikipedia page says like Central America, but you and I both know Wikipedia's uh, sometimes. Uh, yeah, uh, not a reliable source. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just this sort of wasteland of broken souls. Right. Uh, and then it's like, okay, so whatever was Vera uh, Vera Clouseau's uh, her name's Lin- Linda in this okay. in right. the movie uh, whatever Linda's life was before uh, she is now here in this wasteland um, sort of all messed up <laughs> just mm-hmm. like everybody else all messed up Um which is the only way I made sense of uh, what she was doing in this movie. Uh, like at one point, like the the 
bar owner uh, almost takes a whip to her. And I was like, what's up with like, why are we doing this? Uh, it, and that was to me interesting. I thought it was one thing about uh, Mexico, which uh, are there uh, bamboo trees in Mexico, bamboo forests in Mexico? Yeah. So there, there, there are places where there's bamboo. There are, um, it's a, you know, has it pretty much any sort of terrain you can imagine. Um, but no, I can't think of any place that has all those terrains. Um, so it's, they were taking some liberties as they did. And, um, also, uh, in the, in Sorcerer when they were filming in, uh, yeah. I think it was Dominican Republic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the other, the other thing that puzzled me. So, um, the road, right. So we start out on that road, you know, there's there again, you the um these characters they don't seem as desperate as the ones that were portrayed in sorcerer because we don't have the vignettes right um, and so we're left to make up our 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 you know we're supposed to use our imagination to imagine why they might have ended up here in the middle of freaking nowhere all these foreigners well we know um, that one guy is no good because he's uh throwing rocks at that dog uh earlier you know it's like Anybody, it's like, okay, that's a, clearly this person is evil. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, we There's none of the vignettes and uh, even like some of the characters, uh, the guy who played Joe, uh, Charles uh, uh, yeah. Vanell, uh, like he seemed to be at the start, uh, not a particularly bad person. Uh, and it was just his moral failing of utter coward cowardice uh, as the film goes on. But yes, they're from the openings. They're not horrendous people, it seems. Uh, they, they, we, we have, you know, clues about their backgrounds. Yeah. Um, and we have a sense that none of them is really particularly uh, innocent. Um, and so, but I, I think that without those vignettes, without a, a greater greater depth about their characters it's harder to have any um feelings about each any one of them and i have to say i didn't have an i really didn't like mario um who uh, uh emerges as the sort of you know the the triumphant one in this um i, I didn't like him at first he just struck me again as sort of this vapid um pretty boy in the middle of nowhere Right. I, I liked Luigi. <laughs> Luigi. Yeah. I yeah. liked Luigi a lot. He was, and then yeah. I felt, I felt his fate was tragic. So yeah. I, I, I thought he really got the worst of it. Um, so he's dying. Uh, uh, he's got cement in his lungs from yeah. laboring. Yeah. I, and, yeah. Lung cancer perhaps or something. something yeah. 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 Um, and, and he is tragic. I mean, even though he's a bit of a stereotype, because uh, yeah. I saw him, I also thought, okay, this is uh, from right out of Mario Kart or something. Um, yeah. Maybe Mario Kart was based on this. I don't think, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought that, but he was the only character, like much more so than uh, Mario, who I agree with you, we were supposed to uh, identify with, we the audience. I found myself much more, I found Luigi a much more sympathetic character. Uh, and yeah. also um, Bimba, 
Peter Van Eyck, uh, who was riding in the truck with Luigi. I thought he was a fine, he was uh, much more interesting of a character and more, there was more to empathize with him than either of uh, Joe or Mario. Uh, oh, yeah. He yeah. apparently was. So I thought he was going to be a Nazi. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't. He was somehow persecuted by Nazis. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, like that's the thing. And uh, yeah, like so again, he was the per- the persecuted, not the persecutor. And like this is very different than uh, where we start off with in in Sorcerer, like in Sorcerer, all of those characters are. Well, Roy Scheider absconded with the church funds. The other guy uh, defrauded the foreign stock market and left his yeah. wife. Another guy's a terrorist, a, a, a terrorist and the other one is uh, dubious. Yeah, yeah. Hitman. You know, like, uh, and that's like we know these characters are all explicitly terrible people. Right. Um, whereas yeah, they're just kind of losers, it seems yeah, to me. Yeah, here, well. Yeah, here they are. Losers dealt a poor hand by fate. Like I do, yeah. like I don't want to say, like there's there's no moral condemnation involved here with these characters at sure. the start. Yeah, you know, like and uh, the moral failings. Like if you like, if you want, uh, like yes, Joe had a moral failing in so far as he exhibited a lot of cowardice when being tasked with driving a truck full of nitroglycerin down a mountain, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you might understand that, right? yeah, you know, yeah. Like, Oh gee, he had the shakes. Well, no shit. You know, who wouldn't? Um, yeah. So well, I but also, so, um, uh, he, he comes in six guns a blazing trying to intimidate yeah. everybody. And then yeah. he's, shown to be this coward so i think that is i mean there's a small lesson in there yeah um, you know but again you don't have the you don't have the the um sense of dessert um that you got with the others um in 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 sorcerer yeah yeah i think like like freed get like they say clouseau's uh dark uh he's working on a dark moral terrain um they the various critics that we're talking about uh, and they all loved wages of fear but they're like yes this is a sour movie um full of sour people um in comparison to fried uh friedkin uh clouseau seems to be an optimist about the nature of humanity uh like because like freaking these characters in sorcerer they're all terrible people and even the one you're supposed to identify with is a terrible person whereas here these are all just people who a terrible fate befalls each individually a terrible fate befalls them and perhaps and certainly in some cases quite undeserving like uh yeah what did what did luigi do to anybody like no, you know it's not clear that he was a bad guy he's yeah, just like ends he up was, in this town like and you know right like he did he did nothing that i saw in the film wrong uh you know he was just somebody trying to trying to uh not die um and 
like well, I think this is a more clearly existential film. That's the only way I can yeah. make make sense of it. Um, because you know, here it's a sort of you know, it's not that these are evil people. It's not even the banality of evil here. It's just the banality of banality. Um, these folks in the middle of nowhere who are so poor that they need to take on this likely fatal job to try to get out of there. Um, and, and, and if we can talk about the road sequence, cause so half the film is this more than half the film is this road sequence. Again, much of it is sort of canned studio shoots with, um, a back screen projection, but there are some scenes in there that are, that are legitimately, uh, hair raising. Yes. Nothing, uh, quite as bad as the bridge from Sorcerer, but there were a few moments where it's like, oh, wow. Yes. Uh, edge of your seat stuff, I imagine, for 1953. Uh, I think so. And, and yeah. they use practical effects for that. Yeah. I mean, wasn't, those were actual outdoor shoots and must have been rather complicated where he's, you know, that that uh, overhang bridge where they have to back up in order to turn the truck around. Right. That, oh, that's yeah. harrowing. That's a harrowing scene. Yeah. And and we can feel the tension between the drivers too. Yeah, and just and just how that was shot too, as you see the truck cable, the truck hook catching the cable and continuing to drive, and you're like, oh, 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 this is going to this this is yeah. going to go badly. I think <laughs> I was yelling at the screen as yeah. I was happening. Yeah, it's like, and then you're like. To the driver, who is Mario at this point, you're like, you idiot, you idiot. But then it's like, no, there's no way. There's no way you would notice that uh, weight differential or anything like that. So it's like, yeah, but it's just the the way that was cut was brilliant. Um, It was that was a that was a very tense scene. And and, then and I think the editing really um, does it there. Yes. Yes. The back and forth. Uh, was really wonderful how the, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, great. Nice little. The the other thing that struck me was that oil, um, yeah, the pool of oil that I thought was, was a phenomenal scene for a number of reasons, um, where Joe gets submerged in that oil and, um, Mario pretty much has to run over his leg or something in the process. Yeah. Uh, or I think run over the branch, which crushes his leg and basically oh, amputates man. it within the plant, but or within his pants. But well, yes, it was something like that. I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um, so tell me more about this oil scene. What did you, did you think it was symbolic of any deeper meaning to the movie? Was it just a cool shot? Was, uh, there, oh, what did it do for the plot? Uh, yeah. So what, Tell, I, yeah, what I find yeah. myself trying to do is understand uh, the the use of these devices as a as part of whatever lesson Cluzota is trying to get to us, uh, you know, get us to accept. Um, and Joe has been brought so low through his own cowardice, uh, through his own intransigence. I mean, he. He really left uh, Mario uh, out on a limb back at that bridge um, where they did the backing up. Um, and still, Mario takes him back each time. He's, he should have left him behind, but he doesn't. 
and this is um this is the end for joe and and he's sort of covered in oil and a sort of it, it reminds me of some sort of one of the levels of dante's inferno um even though you know all the scenes are outside in the sun and it's all bright and sunny um this is a this is hell there again they're going through hell um as we mentioned before in in um talking about sorcerer um and and this is this is that final he, he is this he is finally in the whatever the lowest circle is um and we know his death is imminent that's what it meant to me um whether he deserved it or not is another story it just felt again sort of existential this may not be deserted at all this is just the luck of the draw yeah yeah uh you still there I am here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it just went really silent here. So for a moment, <laughs> so I, I thought, oh, okay. But okay, great. Uh, for me, yeah, I thought that the the falling into the 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 drowning in tar or oil uh, sequence was uh, brilliant. Um, it was brilliant for uh, uh, just when you were elaborating on it. I was thinking about how uh, there's that Goya painting, uh, men with Two men fighting with Krugels, um, and it's uh, Michel Serres uh, uses it uh, at the start of his book, uh, The Natural Contract. Anyway, um, the in the painting, it is literally two men fighting with Krugels while they th- sink into a bog. And uh, Serres's point is there is a fight here. It's between man and nature, and then Serres goes off on his excellent philosophy um so that scene reminded me of yes this goya painting and it also remind and then when you have joe covered in oil uh that has been replicated so much um since oh yeah uh, we mentioned before um there will be blood yeah um, paul thomas anderson film and there's a scene where uh, the protagonist is just covered in oil. And yeah. It, but makes just, him evil. it makes him this devil, this sort of proto yeah. proto. But also, yeah. Also another movie we've talked about is uh, Apocalypse Now. Martin True. Sheen rising out of the muck to go yeah. kill uh, Kurtz uh, in a hellscape. Um, so there was that, like it just, visually reminded me of what would other shots that would echo it um the the meaning of this um interpreted literally what's killing these people what uh what is their great uh the great enemy it's the oil and so that brings up the to me the marxian the marxian point uh so who what is the enemy in this? It's okay. It is fate. Yes. But what is fate? It's uh, the oil company. The oil company is just pure evil in this. They know what they're doing. They know that most of these people will die. Uh, there's no reason for it. Uh, and they're like, yes, they are the expendables. And right. uh, here, oil is what is killing them. Uh, oil is the obstacle, uh, the very thing, uh, which I thought was just brilliant. I thought that was 
brilliant and on the nose and really, really revealed what the true enemy was. Uh, I guess the other thing, uh, you know, like with the version I saw, this was like uh, over two hours long. It was like uh, two and a half hours long or something like this. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, apparently there's another version of this thing that exists that's much closer to two hours long. Oh. And what has been edited out are uh, a lot of the shots or the scenes involving the oil company, uh, precisely because for the American audience, it was deemed to be too critical of capitalism and oil. I see, okay. Like, and you can think back to the meeting uh, in the oil boardroom in uh, wherever and where they're discussing this. And it's like, yeah, that that would have been taken out. And then a few uh, other uh, words here and there along the way. And I thought, yeah, so this, there was and then I'm thinking, well, Clouseau was was French uh, in the 1950s and in the 1950s. I, I gather uh, in France, uh, pretty much everybody was a Marxist, um, <laughs> you know, like uh, or at least they were sympathetic to it, um, right. you know. Uh, and so I thought there was uh, your I think it's quite correct to say it's existentialist. It's a amazing existentialist movie. Uh, and also, as as was Sartre, uh, yes, all exist or. If you're a true existentialist, you're not going to have too much hatred for Marxism. Uh, you're right. going to be very sympathetic to it, uh, as Sartre was uh, in in the end, and Beauvoir even was. Uh, so I was, uh, yeah, I, that's what I. That's why I loved that shot. Um, I thought it was well. Uh, I thought that Mario's ending when he's driving back with all this money in his pocket i thought it was just like i that's the one point in the movie where i was really hoping for his death <laughs> you know like i was like yeah, you, yeah. you you fool you're tempt you know it's like swerving around I mean, yeah again he, so you know the greed will get you in the end it is as it is similar to in sorcerer the notion that it's the wages of greed really yes yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, but all of that is not to say that this isn't a wonderful movie. It's a wonderful movie. Uh, I think oh, that, yeah. um, it's a shame that Clouseau um, was, uh, it's, it's a shame that Vera Clouseau dies so young. She had a promising career and was, uh, I think, a wonderful actress, um, better suited to uh, Diabolique than um, Wages of Fear. Um, and it's a shame that the death um, led to a, um, uh, Clouseau, his, uh, Henri Georges' um, film um, uh, production to you know pretty much um, come to a halt for a while, and then there wasn't much he did after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe so. I'm not too familiar with. Well, you introduced me to the to this director, so uh, mm -hmm. I'm not too familiar of uh, of his career trajectory afterwards. I don't know what he made afterwards, but he, I he, he did some more work after um, he ends up doing some uh, TV production at some point. Um, but um, it wasn't like the 50s. Uh, she dies um, in 
he does he does television documentaries and then um he died in paris in 1977 he didn't really do films like he had done with when she was when she was alive it's a shame yeah uh, um, yeah like i do know like night 19 late 1950s and 1960s france in cinema there's other names like you think of naturally uh godard Truffaut. you don't think of clouseau so much in there uh and i'm that. sure he made an impression yeah. on, on French oh, abs- absolutely uh like it's hard to watch uh Truffaut. well shoot Truffaut's shoot the piano player is an homage to Hitchcock, and one also thinks an homage to what Clouseau is doing. Uh, I think that's uh, true. You know, like, um, it's, and so much of Godard's, what's going on in Godard is playing on this crime movie uh, situation. Not so much the devils, but just the fate is... uh, going to break you uh going on in in godard uh and i think well who put that on the map uh yes a bunch of french academics and german academics from the 19th century but also uh henry george clouseau uh that he really uh made that part of the zeitgeist in well mind you probably france in 1953 probably they were well acquainted with how fate might be quite merciless to them after well World yeah. War Two. Uh, anyway, okay, yeah, yeah. The good news is that that you can find these films on a lot of streaming services. Yes. Uh, and Clouseau uh, has been um, recognized uh, in in the last several decades as being hugely influential and and have, having made the some of the great films of the fifties. Yeah. Yes. So. Uh, okay. Well. Best. So. Uh, what was. Uh, the worst thing about this movie for you, uh, Wages of Fear. Best shot, worst shot, just boom, boom. Worst shot were the um, back screen projection shots of uh, them driving on the road. I, I felt um, it really detracted from it. I mean, there were a lot of good practical effects, outdoor shots. And then when you switch to a back screen projection of them in an obvious, um, you know, um, studio, yeah. it just... It, it's jarring. It's not necessary. I'm sure it was deemed necessary because of the way their access to various tools of production. But I felt it was uh, it was a shame because uh, it, um, there were other ways to have done that. The best part of it, of course. So for me, two things. Again, I love to watch the roaring fire. So at the end, when he um, approaches in the nighttime, um, the you know the the well with the nitroglycerin first of all how are they smoking so much around this nitroglycerin that 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 scares me yeah um, yeah yeah that was anyway yeah. but they're uh, French, so they gotta smoke everything yeah, right you know um, uh, uh, but yeah that scene at the end where he somehow he it looks like he's gonna walk into the fire that i thought was gripping and um uh, very emotional uh for me how about you yeah i agree I agree on both counts. Uh, the walking into the fire sequence and then collapsing uh, was breathtaking. It was breathtaking cinematography in a film that had virtually no other breathtaking cinematography. Yeah. Uh, it was just like, that is an awesome shot. Yeah, uh, it was a payoff. Yeah. So both films had great payoffs. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the worst, uh, 
The most predictable was uh, him driving over the driving over the cliff. You know, yeah. yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, like you see this guy driving like an idiot. Uh, you know how this is going to end before it actually does. Um, like, uh, so that to me, it should have done a lot more, but it didn't. Yeah, no, uh, you, you, it was telegraphed pretty, yeah, pretty well. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it was sort of defeatist. Uh, another shot that is, I, I just worth mentioning how uh, the truck blew up off, well off screen. Uh, that was like totally uh existentialist moment it's like yes so the protagonists they die off screen um, <laughs> you know like uh which i thought was interesting uh yeah yeah there wasn't even even like even friedkin had them talking and then you saw how they died right uh, no, in, the, in this case we just get a yeah. flash yeah, like this. yeah and then an explosion in the distance uh right. you know like there is like no causal mechanism at uh demonstrated it is only inferred uh right. which i thought was yes a really nice existentialist moment where it's like yeah. okay yes yes god will abandon you for no reason says <laughs> you know like uh, uh yeah uh yeah i thought that was a uh, really cool uh yeah so so where are we going to go from here, Rob? I, I've enjoyed talking about these films and introducing you to them. Um, yeah. And I'm curious about where we're going to go. Well, I had uh, I had two films picked out before this. And then our conversation steered my mind in a wholly other direction. So I'm wow, going to okay. go with uh, Hitchcock, Marnie. Marnie. OK, great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, all the talk of do that. Yeah. All the talk of Hitchcock, it's like, okay, well, we should do something by Hitchcock. And then it's like, I don't want to do like a Slavo Zizek and say, oh, Vertigo and or, you know, so no, let's go with Marnie. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to do that because it gives me a chance to do my Sean Connery. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I had no idea. Uh, so like just... Um, now I'm expecting that for like the next, the entirety of the next <laughs> podcast. I'm not sure like, I can sustain it, but I'll, yeah, I'll do my best. Well, uh, I'm not sure Sean Connery could sustain it, you know, but anyway. Uh, Sean Connery can sustain anything he wants to. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. That sounds great. I'm glad uh, we're going to be doing that. That'll be, that'll be super fun to talk about Hitchcock. So, Marnie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always, David. It's been great as but, always, and and thank you to our listeners um, yeah. who continue to um, go through our catalog of uh, podcasts and join us on the Facebook group and otherwise chime in. We'll uh, see you guys next week. Okay, thank you very much. Take care. See you soon. Night.